You are listening to the Divorced Christian Podcast Show with your host and teacher, Darius Good. He is the senior pastor of Bible Gospel Center and founder of Good Treasure Ministries. He is the author of the books Unlocking Godly Wisdom and The Divorced Christian. For more information, visit the website at thedivorcedchristian.com. And now, here's your host, Darius Good. Welcome to the Divorced Christian Podcast Show. My name is Darius Good. Thank you for joining us on today. I want to first state that this show does not advocate for divorce, but we do advocate for accurate teachings. We believe that this topic of divorce has been uh, badly and grossly mistaught, and in doing so, we've missed the point the lessons that Jesus was presenting to the listeners during that time in error. Um, Today's episode is entitled, Adultery Was Not Divorceable. And so we're going to deal with the Jewish customs, Jewish laws, and we're going to see why a lot of our current popular teachings on the topic of divorce are in error. And so we'll begin with Matthew chapter 5, where Jesus makes the statement in verse 17, think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. So Jesus makes a statement that he did not come to destroy, did not come to alter. He did not come to change the law of Moses, which is very interesting because then our popular teachings on divorce We turn around and teach a a lesson that is contrary to this particular statement. Jesus said, I did not come to change the law, but when it comes to his statements regarding divorce, we teach something that is drastically different than the law of Moses. As I've had these dialogues with different people, I asked them, what does the law of Moses state in regards to adultery? Most times I have a blank stare, no response. And so most people are not familiar with the laws of Moses as it pertains to adultery. And this is why we accept the teachings that we've heard for so many years. I first want to point out that Jesus didn't give much detail in regards to his statements. And this was because Jesus was speaking to Jews. He's speaking to his brethren who understood Jewish law, they understood Jewish culture, the uh, thinking, mindset, they knew the history um, of their people, of Israelites. And so his conversation with them would be drastically different than talking to a group of people that are not familiar with your laws, that are not familiar with your customs. So in Matthew chapter 4 at verse 25, it identifies the listeners. It says that there followed him great multitudes of people from Galilee, from Decapolis, from Jerusalem, from Judea, and from beyond Jordan. These are Jewish people, Israelites, that are familiar with their laws, their customs. So now in chapter 5, Matthew 5, as Jesus began teaching, he begins uh, preaching to the multitude He talked about blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are they that mourn, blessed are the meek. And as he gets down to verse 17 is where he makes this statement that I did not come to destroy the law or the prophets. So I keep making the point 
that now as we jump ahead in this teaching, when Jesus makes the statement at verse 31, it has been said, whosoever shall put away his wife, let him give her a writing of divorcement. But I say unto you that whosoever shall put away his wife, save for the cause of fornication, causeth her to commit adultery, and whosoever shall marry her that is divorced committeth adultery. For our Christian teachings to take away the point that Jesus said you can only get divorced in the case of adultery, if you're talking to a Jewish audience, they would have been appalled, they would have taken stones, and they would have tried to kill Jesus in that moment. Now, as we've already covered in previous lessons, I encourage you to go back and listen to previous episodes, but we've pointed out that there is a mistranslated word from the original text. So in Matthew chapter 5, verse 32, where it says, whoever shall marry her that is divorced, that word divorced is a mistranslated word. The original word used is apolio, A-P-O-L-Y-O, which means to separate. So Jesus is talking about a woman who is separated from her husband. Please get a concordance. You can look it up on your own and you'll see that this word divorce does not, uh, is not a part of the original text. The word used for divorce is apostasion. And we see that in verse 31, the verse right before it, where he said, whosoever shall put away his wife, let him give her a apostasion, a writing of divorcement. It's a repudiation. So we don't find that word there in verse 32. The context of verse 32 is he's talking about women who have been put away. The word put away means apolio, which means to be separated. So it's not a divorce, it's a separation. So let's go back to verse 31. Whosoever shall put away... Whoever shall put away a polio or separate from his wife, let him give her a writing of divorcement. So Jesus was not talking about a, in a concept post-divorce. He goes back to the concept of being separated in the marriage. So that's when he says, I'm going to say unto you that whosoever shall put away or separate a polio, his wife, except in the case of fornication, causes her to commit adultery. And whosoever shall marry her that is divorced committeth adultery. So now we have a woman that's separated, who has entered into another marriage. So now she's the woman of two husbands. This is what Jesus was explaining is adultery. So now let's go back to this concept of saving for the cause of fornication. We've taught as our Christian teachings, it's been widely accepted. Jesus was saying in the case of adultery within a marriage, it gives a person the right to divorce. And this is what we're stating in today's lesson, that this is not true. Now, we did cover a portion of this on last week. So let's look at those particular scriptures so that we know what the listeners were hearing. We don't have their knowledge. We didn't have their understanding. We're not, we're not uh, familiar with Jewish laws and customs. 
And so we've created this, this concept that is contrary to the law of Moses, even though Jesus just stated, I did not come to change the law. I did not come to destroy the law. So now in Leviticus chapter 20, verse 10, we find the law of Moses addressing the issue of adultery. It says, the man that committeth adultery with another man's wife, even he that committeth adultery with his neighbor's wife, the adulterer and the adulteress shall surely be put to death. So what's interesting is it's not even referencing the woman cheating on the husband. It's referencing the husband cheating. If the husband is caught in adultery, he is killed and the woman that he commits adultery with was also killed. It was not normal in their culture and within their towns, within their nation, for people to be committing acts of adultery. We have looked at this topic through the lens of Western thinking, through the lens of an American mindset, but adultery was not forgivable. By committing adultery, the priest, the rabbi, were required to kill the man and to kill the woman that engaged in this sin. That's Leviticus 20, verse 10. Let me make this point as well. If a person, you felt that your spouse was cheating, committing adultery, guilty of the sin of adultery, you could not go to the rabbi and say to them, I want to get divorced. And they will be asked on what grounds and you state adultery because they are then required as judges, as scribes, a part of the Sanhedrin. These are men that they weren't attorneys, they were judges. Their, their requirement was to judge the people. These were the part of the concept of the 70 elders that were established under Moses. So now to bring a man or a woman to the, the rabbi to state, I want a divorce, you can't get a divorce on the grounds of adultery. They would follow the law of Moses and the law required that that man and that woman be killed. It was a testament to their nation, a sign to them that this sort of behavior, this sort of practice of sin will not be among them. So now let's say this, in the case where you're not sure if your spouse committed adultery, they have a whole nother law that was required for them to follow. So now if you go to Numbers chapter five, Numbers chapter five, and if you begin at verse 11, it says, the law spake unto Moses saying, Numbers five, verse 12, Speak unto the children of Israel and say unto them, if any man's wife go aside and commit a trespass against him. We're talking about the idea of her possibly cheating. Verse 13, and a man lie with her carnally and it be hid from his eyes or from the eyes of the husband and be kept close and she be defiled and there be no witness against her, neither she be taken with the manner and the spirit of jealousy come upon him and he be jealous of his wife and she be defiled or if the spirit of jealousy come upon him and he be jealous of his wife and she be not defiled, 
Then, she, then shall the man bring his wife unto the priest. Let's look at this in a different translation. I think this will give a little more clarity. I'm going to go to the NIV version. And this states that, speak unto the nation of Israel and say unto them, if a man's wife go astray and is unfaithful to him, so that another man has sexual relations with her, and this is hidden from her husband, and her impurity is undetected, since there is no witness against her, and she has not been caught in the act. And if feelings of jealousy come over her husband, and he suspects his wife, and she is, and she is impure, or if he is jealous and suspects her even though she is not impure, then he is to take his wife to the priest. He must also take an offering of a tenth of an ephod of barley flour on her behalf. So this is the offering the husband is now required to bring to the priest. It's a reminder offering to draw attention to wrongdoing. The priest shall bring her and have her stand before the Lord. This is important. She's not standing before a jury. She's not standing before her peers. She's not standing before the rabbi or the judge. She's going to stand before God himself, and he's going to judge her to be innocent or guilty. At verse 17, then he shall take some holy water in a clay jar and put some dust from the tabernacle floor into the water. After the priest has had the woman stand before the Lord, he shall loosen her hair and place in her hands the reminder offering, the grain offering for jealousy, while he himself holds the bitter water that brings a curse. Then the priest shall put the woman under an oath, and he's going to say to her, if no other man has had sexual relations with you and you have not gone astray and become impure while married to your husband, may this bitter water that brings a curse not harm you. But if you have gone astray while married to your husband and you have made yourself impure by having sexual relations with a man other than your husband, here the priest is to put the woman under this curse. This is verse 21. May the Lord cause you to become a curse among your people when he makes your womb miscarry and your abdomen swell. If you read it in the King James Version, it talks about her leg rotting. Verse 22, may this water that brings a curse enter your body so that your abdomen swells or your womb miscarries. Why? Because she might be with, with, with child. Then the woman is to say, amen, and so be it. Verse 23, the priest is to write these curses on a scroll and then wash them off into the bitter water. He shall make the woman drink the bitter water that brings a curse, and this water that brings a curse and causes bitter suffering will enter her. The priest is to take from her hands the grain offering for jealousy, wave it before the Lord and bring it to the altar. The priest is then to take a handful of the grain offering as a memorial offering and burn it on the altar. After that, he is to have the woman drink the water. If she has made herself impure and been unfaithful to her husband, 
This will be the result. When she is made to drink the water that brings a curse and causes bitter suffering, it will enter her, her abdomen will swell, and her womb will miscarry, or, or, and she will become a curse. And in the King James Version, it talks about her leg rotting. Verse 28, if, however, the woman has not made herself impure but is clean, she will be cleared of guilt and will be able to have children. At verse 29, this then is the law of jealousy when a woman goes astray and make herself impure while married to her husband. Verse 30, or when, feeling of, or when feelings of jealousy come over a man because he suspects his wife, the priest is to have her stand before the Lord and is to apply this entire law to her. Verse 31, the husband will be innocent of any wrongdoings for the woman will bear the consequence of her sin. So now in this particular scenario, we're not talking about a woman caught in the act of adultery. We're not talking about a woman where they believe or suspect her of adultery within that case as witnesses are coming forward. The law of Moses required out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. So you couldn't have one witness saying, I believe your wife cheated, or I believe I saw something. There had to be a cooperation of witnesses. So when you suspected your wife of potentially cheating, that she might be with child that's not yours, or uh, just the fact that she was defiled by another man, then the law of jealousies is what the priest performed. So let's go back to our original teaching where we as Christians have taught that if a woman was, commits adultery, then now we have the right to get divorced. That is an American way of thinking. That is, seems to be a, a, a much embraced teaching amongst Christians. But that is not how Jews lived at all. And so I want to reiterate the point, and I'll keep doing this over and over. Jesus said, I did not come to change the law. I did not come to alter the law of Moses. So in what we are teaching, we're basically saying Jesus then turned around and changed Moses' law. He's now permitting Jewish men, Jewish women, the right by God to divorce their spouse for adultery. But that was not the case. If you look at the mitzvah and go on the website, thedivorcechristian.com, or you can find it through dariusgood.com, what you'll find is I put two links there, and the mitzvah or the commands of God are listed there. These are the 613 laws of Moses. When it comes to the law on adultery, what is stated there, it states that death was required by strangulation. So when a man or woman was caught in the act of adultery, they were to be strangled. Now we do know we have our example in the New Testament where they brought Jesus, a woman caught in the act. They brought her to Jesus, said, this is the law states that we're to kill this woman. What are we to do? 
at which point they picked up rocks. Their intentions was to stone this woman to death. So we're not going to debate, you know, strangulation versus stoning. The point that's being made is people did not commit adultery because they understood it might cost them their life. So in Jesus' time, not just Moses' time, but in Jesus' time, we still see them keeping to this law where if someone is caught in the act of adultery, they're going to be killed according to the law of Moses. So now, once again, now that we've read through the law of jealousies, this is how situations were handled with suspicions of adultery, suspicion of infidelity. They bring the woman to the, the priest. He pronounces an oath over her. She has to agree to this oath. She has to drink this water. And of course, I mean, I went through the details already, but in essence, it was God that judged this woman's innocence or her guilt. So now when they go back home, there's no, I think the judge got it wrong. I think, you know, I still have my suspicion. No, the woman was set before God almighty that made a decision regarding this woman's guilt, that made a decision regarding this woman's innocence. If she was guilty, then she lived life cursed. Her stomach was swollen. Her abdomen was swollen. Her leg was rotted. This woman was a curse. The nation looked at this woman as a testament to them that we do not engage in adultery. So it's important that we understand these details. We've, we've created a whole doctrine regarding marriage and divorce that is not scriptural at all. So Jesus didn't make these changes to the law. Those listeners, the Jews present, they knew the law of Moses. If we go through the teachings of Matthew chapter five, we'll see that Jesus was not altering the law of Moses. And we see this example as he's consistently through this teaching saying what was been said in old times or what the law stated. So one example, verse 21, Matthew 5, 21. Uh, you have heard that it's been said by them of old, thou shalt not kill. And whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause, that's key, you're angry without a cause, shall be in danger of the judgment. Whosoever shall say to his brother, Raka, shall be danger of the council. But whosoever shall say thou fool shall be in danger of hell's fire. So then he tells them, don't bring a gift to the priest. If you still have an ought against your brother, what's the ought? He said, uh, angry for no cause. So that has to be reconciled first before you can bring a gift to the priest, to the altar. That is no alteration to the law of Moses. Thou shalt not kill, and whoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. That hasn't changed. That is still the same. There's no, no, no change to Moses' law. Let's go to the next statement that Jesus made. You have heard it said, this is verse 27, by them of old time, thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her 
already in his heart. That is not a change to the law of Moses. Jesus is highlighting the fact that God is looking at the heart, a person's intention, a person's desire, their temptation, a lusting that is occurring on the inside of them. So now lust, an inward, uh, uh, inward activity, not something that's been acted upon, not something, a deed that's been committed, but he's highlighting, Jesus is highlighting to them that God is looking at your hearts. That's not a violation of the law of Moses. He didn't say now adultery is okay. He's not adjusting the law of Moses. So we don't see that within his teachings. Let's jump down to verse 33. Again, you have heard it hath been said by them of old time, thou shalt not forever or forswear, I'm sorry, thou shalt not forswear thyself, but shalt perform unto the Lord thine oaths. But I say unto you, swear not at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, not by the earth, for it is his footstool, neither by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Do not swear by your head, because you can't make one hair white or black. But let your communication be yes, yes, or yea, yea, nay, nay, for whatsoever is more than these committeth evil. This is not an alteration to the law of Moses. And yet when it comes to the teaching in regards to divorce, we have always taught this change. I mean, it's, it's really a drastic change to the culture and to the law. And so what we're going to do on next week is we're going to take some time and really lay out for you what Jesus was really saying to them, what he was explaining to them. It's not a contradiction of Moses' law, but it's a much different conversation he was having with them than what we are aware of. Thank you for joining us on today. Visit the website dariusgood.com or thedivorcechristian.com. Please like, share, join us next time, and until then, be blessed. You've been listening to the Divorced Christian Podcast Show with your host, Darius Good. This was a Good Treasure Ministries production. Darius is the senior pastor of Bible Gospel Center, and he is the author of the book, The Divorced Christian. To learn more about this book and other books written by Darius, or to listen to other episodes of our podcast show, visit our website today at thedivorcedchristian.com. We pray that today's episode has brought revelation, understanding, and healing. Please like, share, and subscribe to our podcast show. And until next time, be blessed.